What is up, everybody? And thanks for joining us on the Abundant Journey podcast. I'm your host, Nick James. We got a very special episode for you today, and it's special for a few reasons. First off, it is episode 50 for us. Thank you for hanging with us this year. We had a goal to hit 50 episodes by the end of 2023, and we made it. Here we are. And I got to tell you, we're just getting started. On top of it being a special episode because we're at number 50, we wanted to be sure to have a special guest for episode 50, and I really believe we've done just that. Our guest today is Dave Ederer, and Dave is perhaps one of my favorite people in the world and has been one of the most influential people in my journey. I met him a few years ago as a banker and quickly realized he's somebody that I had to get to know. Shortly after that, he encouraged me to go into commercial banking. And as you all know, I've been in commercial banking for a few years at this point. And he encouraged me to never stop learning. I've quoted him many times in his saying that investing in your education is worth 10 times what any salary can pay you. But beyond that, Dave literally embodies abundant journey. He started out as a CPA and was evaluating businesses to buy for his clients. So he learned some crazy skills. And then one day he looked up and said, why am I building wealth for other people? Something that I've heard other guests say on the show here. And so what did he do? Well, of course, he bought a business. And from that point on, he has spent the last four decades buying, growing, and selling over 30 businesses. He's been involved in massive real estate deals and also served on the board of banks. He's had professional athlete CEOs reach out to him for business advice. But all of these accomplishments pale in comparison to the fact that he lives his life believing that he was created for a greater purpose than success and that people are way more important than any dollar figure in someone's bank account. And I've seen him live it. Dave's acquired tremendous wealth tremendous abundance, but he has a heart to give wisdom and encouragement to everybody he can. One of my favorite things is that he calls people when they find out that they have cancer and walks them through what to expect as he shares and encourages them and shares with them his own story and his own health battles. But enough about his backstory. What we did for this episode was take a long drive north and stick a microphone in front of Dave for over two hours and just talked. This episode is going to be a little bit different than our typical ones because we didn't flow through our normal progression with questions and we weren't constrained by time. It felt like really sitting with your grandfather who's done it all and I found myself saying when I, at the end of the episode, I found myself saying, hey, when I'm his age, which is over 80 by the way, I want to be like him, and I want to have lived life just like he did. From a logistical standpoint, we had to do some decent editing because as we were talking over a couple hours, he had people come in and out of the room, and on top of that, he's a soft-spoken man. So I tried to put the mic as close as possible. I only share this with you because I believe the content here is worth any difficulty you may experience while listening, and I truly believe that there's something for everyone here in the episode whether it's business advice, wisdom on getting started, or simply a reminder to find wise people in your life and go sit with them and hear their stories and lessons. I encourage you to embrace what Dave has to share and spend some time reflecting on what Abundant Journey truly looks like. 
We hope you enjoy the episode. You know, take us back a few early years. I mean, because you yep. you started CPA, and we can go back as far as you want. But yep. you know. that was two. Th- I wrote it two thousand seventeen. Okay. That's the uh, oh. published date. Okay. So it probably started in two thousand fifteen and finished in two thousand seventeen. Um, so it's fairly current. Yeah. Really. But the the dip, the difficulty of it is, and the reason that it's so private. Um, Nick knows I was married uh, uh, when I was 22 mm-hmm. and my wife died when I was 48 49 and um, so I've got two complete life stories yeah. really because mm-hmm. now I'm now I'm 80 <laughs> almost 81 so I almost have two complete stories mm-hmm. and the interesting thing I did the math the other day um, on March 22nd next year Marcia will have been married. I'll have been married to Marcia longer than I was married to uh, wow. to Janice, which is, I mean, that's one of those things that just makes me go, ah, uh. yeah, yeah, because I'm still married to Janice, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. and, I, and I love Marcia, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's uh, yeah, yeah. it's been very very interesting to focus. So I am at that point where I am thinking yeah. back all the way. I mean, I've got pictures of our. Where I grew up, I got pictures of my our first house, which is about 1,200 square feet mm. house. It's over a million dollars now. The same house. Wow. The drapes that are in the windows are the same drapes <laughs> my my first wife Marcia made for the windows. I drive by it and I look at it. It's exactly the same. The rhododendron I transplanted from the back to the front is still there. Still there. Um, but the house has gone from twelve thousand five hundred when we bought it, wow. and now it's it sold for about a million one um, a year ago. Wow! And it's still twelve hundred square feet. Go yeah. sideways through the kitchen, <laughs> type thing. <laughs> but it just I go, you gotta be kidding me! But yeah. it, but so it's been fun to. This is so cool. Look through that a little bit. Yeah, and, I just saw a mention of uh, Krista. You were on the board for for Krista. 46 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My uh, summer oh. jobs uh, well, all throughout right. my childhood, um, Island Lake. Oh, really? Uh, I was yeah. a big part of Island Lake and okay. spent five or six full summers yeah. working working there. Incredibly formative right. time of my own life. And I, mean, I was on the board when we bought. Um, we always had, had Miracle Ranch before, yeah. but when we bought Island Lake. Remember that transaction? It's a very cool property. It, it's a super property. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, both of them are. But that right. one with the lake and with it, the end, you, I mean, you drive through a, a, a yeah. residential area, and all of a sudden, here's a, yeah. here's a camp that yeah. is on a lake. It's a very, very neat area. Yeah. Yeah. Chris said, uh, I was going to go to 50, um, but I retired from the bank. Um in uh, May of, of uh, I mean, uh, there's kind of a big deal. COVID was there. There was 20, 20. And um, I retired from the bank in May. And at the May meeting of Krista, I decided I'd retire as well after 46 years. But uh, uh, two important ingredients in my life. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was there longer than any other board member. Uh, by far, actually, <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, it was, a, it was just a great organization in many, yeah. many ways. Um, travel, the, probably the most exciting story of um, Chris to, there's my son. <laughs> um, I'll tell him to come in. Um, probably the most exciting story. It's still one that's um, a little bit crazy. There were four of us, well concerned, and uh, the guy that headed up well concerned, the guy that was president of uh, of Krista, a guy named Bruce Kennedy, who was the CEO of uh, and founded Alaska Airlines, it, it was on the board, and I. Um, went to Bangladesh, not Bangladesh, and we went to uh, Cambodia. And we're in Cambodia, and we dedicated a school, and we're down in the southeast part of Cambodia, um, quite a ways from the main city. And um, a guy comes to where we're staying, a little tiny, tiny village and says to us, Pol Pot knows you're here and you're getting too close to him and you should leave immediately. (laughs) The day before we had been all through the killing fields. Yeah. Oh man. We decided we should leave immediately. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Pol Pot knows you're here and he wants you to leave immediately. (laughs) That is crazy. <laughs> I mean, how many guys can say yeah, something? You know, no, yeah, it's like, we probably oh, could oh. count them on. <laughs> oh, gosh, so we did leave. Um, yeah. Now, was that a part yeah. of the bank when you were that trip or no? No, no, it's part of Krista. Krista. Oh, yeah. Krista, got it, got it. Krista had, it, had 11 divisions at that time, one of which was called World Concern. And um, one of the areas that we served was Bangladesh, yeah. Cambodia. So um, we were traveling with the area manager through that that uh, area mm-hmm. and um, visiting many things that we do there, and um, one of which was opening a, a awesome. uh, school. Yeah, that was in a very, you know, <laughs> that's above and beyond duty, I think. But, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's right. the least story I've been able to carry for, gosh. I, I, it happened right after my wife died. Because at that point in time, I was willing to go anywhere and do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so that would have been 92. Because um, I went to the, I went to the, uh, went to Mexico City, went to uh, Cambodia, and I went to the poorest places in the world, visited the uh, dumps of the world. Yeah. And because um, there's six or seven, I don't know how many now, but major dumps were, you know, uh, 15 to 20,000 people live every day. Um, so it was that that was a couple year journey in my life where I was just lost. But uh, a very, very, very important part of 82 years. Mm-hmm. What was significant of, of that time for you? Uh, well, I, I, and, you know, I, I was just lost. I mean, my... Janice and I met when we were in kindergarten, mm. and we lived, um, therefore, in the same neighborhood. Um, she was Catholic, so they didn't have kindergarten, and they, so she started first grade at another school. Yeah. Um, we moved, 
um, her family moved to the same area. We were only a block apart then. Her family had a swimming pool, so, <laughs> and eight kids, good oh. Catholic family. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they had a tennis court and swimming pool and all that stuff, so everyone would go, and they were on the very top of the hill in our area. So everybody would go to their house, it was kind of the deal. Yeah. And um, so we met and, and, uh, and got married at age 22. Um, one week after I graduated, two weeks after she graduated, she went all through the Catholic school system, and then I went through UW. But so we got married at 22. So I mean, it's the only ones. I mean, we, it's, we really and she invited me out. So I really had never even dated other than, yeah. you know, I when I was after. Uh, in fact, the first girl I called, or actually called and dated, was Marcia. Okay. First, first in my life. Wow. Um, a uh, a friend. Our kids went to school called the Villa. My wife started the auction there to raise money. Um, she then had an assistant that she passed it to. And that assistant then had an assistant she passed it to, which is Marcia. So whatever those deals. Um, so she called me. The middle lady called me. She was the go-between, and said she had a girl for me to to uh, date. <laughs> and I said no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and then nine months later, uh, she called again, and it was in uh, October, and I was in the desert. And so for whatever reason, um, I said okay, got her number. And he said, if I don't call her right now, I'll never call her. <laughs> so I did, first date. I called her and invited her out. So <laughs> that was one of those, uh, one of those deals where uh, um, just the fact of calling a girl, and I mean, I, had, I, I, I wasn't good at all that stuff. And I told her, that. I said, look, <laughs> I, I don't know how to do all that stuff. I'm a great husband, but I'm a lousy date. I, I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> And um, in fact, I told her that first night. Um, so that's, that was that was ninety six, ninety five. So, but that interim time, um, say from ninety two to ninety five, I was just I was just lost. Yeah. A friend of mine whose wife died, I went to see him and uh, sat down. He said, "Well, here's what I did. I st went out to the end of the dock, sat at the end of the dock." Um, turned around, walked up the dock, through the house, walked out the front door, and never went back. Mm. And he says, you're going to have to do something like that. He says, you got to go someplace um, where they don't know Janice, so they don't care about Janice. I mean, sit down with somebody in, in Bangladesh and tell them about Janice. They don't, <laughs> you know, what are you telling me? So go someplace where nobody knows it, you or anybody your story mm -hmm. and um, start all over so I, I went all over the place during that two years mm -hmm. kind of just following his instruction his Bruce Nordstrom yeah. was the guy <laughs> and uh, and, he's, and he, he was a friend before but he's been a very good friend during the time period good guy yeah. mm -hmm. um, 
you know, why don't you ask some questions and I can yeah. I can go back yeah, or how absolutely. far you want to go back. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I want to, you know, I want to go back a little bit here yep. on the business side. You and I know each other through business, through mm-hmm. banking, and through looking at some deals together. But one of the one of the things that struck me pretty early on for you was that you looked at you were in a good profession CPA Mm -hmm. and you had great clients Mm -hmm. you understood numbers you were helping them grow and then there was kind of your light bulb moment of why in the world am I doing this for everybody else and I think a lot of our listeners have similar moments they they have these aha moments of Hey, why am I why am I building wealth for other people? Yeah. And that moment kind of shifted for you, and Definitely. then you know your yep. story kind of picks up there. Maybe yep. that's a good spot on the business side. Yep. So, kind of walk us through what was going on, what was life like then for you, and and what were some, some things that made you make the change? Yeah, life was life was great at that point uh, in a lot of ways. Um, we had moved from one house to another house to another house. Um, and we're enjoying what we're doing tremendously. All of the houses, six houses that I've lived in, including the one now, are within two miles of each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you That's know, right. I, same zip code. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I loved what I was doing. I, at Pricewaterhouse was a, um, when I graduated from school, clearly that's where I wanted to go to work. It was of the eight uh, companies that were in that business at that time internationally. Pricewaterhouse had more New York Stock Exchange companies as clients than the other seven combined. Wow. It was it was clearly the that yeah, in my mind um, the number one firm, and I absolutely wanted to go to work there, and did, uh, and really enjoyed it. It was a it was you know I learned more each year than for the first three four years. Then I learned the four years of college by far. I mean, that, that, when you can see yourself, when you can see yourself growing, you know you're really growing. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people come and, you know, today's my one of my grandson's birthdays. He's twelve, and uh, you know I can see him growing as a twelve-year-old. You know sure. that little spurt they get in there. He can't see himself growing. So when I say you're really growing, he you know, um, it, but the same thing is it's a learning deal. Um, it's it's traditional that you have a book of business and you go back once a year to do that deal, mm-hmm. and so you know what you how much you knew last year, and now here you walk in this year and you go, you know, to the same business. And you just shake your head. I mean, I, I was so stupid last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it, it's so much easier. It's like listening to the, the pros um, talk about how the game slows down. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Game slows down. And it was that same sort of thing. So I, I really enjoyed what I did. Um, it was great work. It was great people. I mean, that we were all the same. The managing partner told me one time, took me to lunch and said, hey, there's no difference between you and me. Well, you're one of the newest guys here. Um, we all came from the same place. We all have the same education. We're all the same, you know, we all have the same intelligent base. Um, 
I just been here 20 years and you've been here two months. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the only difference. Wow. Uh, and that's the way he treated people and that's the way we all treated each other. So it's a great place to work. I mean, the friends that you developed, they're the co-employee, um, became friends, helped each other, uh, competing, yes, but uh, in a very great way. So it was a great business. Um, I was I got assigned to um, an area. A lot of that was the day of the in the merger and acquisition world, where conglomerates was a magic word. Today, conglomerates is a bad word. Uh, you know, those businesses in those days all thought they were smarter than everybody else, and and they had the management structure, mm -hmm. so they could run any business. Didn't make any difference. Um, and so we would have, you know, companies in Pittsburgh, companies in New York, companies from whatever might be doing an acquisition because we internationally we're a, a big firm. And it might be in the Northwest and they did just somebody to do due diligence and every time somebody said there might be a job like that, my hand was up. Sure. So I, I did all that work. I absolutely loved it because it was pure business. I mean, I you, yes, I was doing the numbers, and yes, I was doing the kinds of things that I had put together to supply them. Um, but more, the question I constantly asked myself is, should they be buying this? Yeah. You know, is this a good deal? Mm -hmm. Is this a good deal? Uh, basic, very, very basic question. And, um, and I got to be in on all the conversations that, that uh, that we're defining whether it is or isn't, and you know maybe it enhances a part of the business, maybe it isn't worth anything by itself, but maybe it adds to something, whatever. Um, and so that I did that enough, and and then started doing it. A lot of entrepreneurs were buying businesses same time, and. Um, and that's when I, the aha moment for me was going to one more sale and uh, being with the buyers and going to Canlis and having a great dinner and having a celebration, which we're going to have in December for our guys. Um, and seeing how excited all these guys were. And I'm sitting there, finally said, why am I not doing this? Yeah. You know, I'm getting. $36,000 a year working for Pricewaterhouse. Um, 3000 a month, three times what I thought I would, my goal in life was. And because um, when I graduated, I was at 500 a month and thought that if I ever could make 1000 a month, yeah. I'd be in. Wow. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I just, I, I just really wanted to go do it myself. And I'd learned so many different techniques on how to finance them, which was the key. That um, it was, you know, I created a scenario and created parameters, and which are the same ones I still establish for today if I was to be a buyer again. Um, and started uh, looking at companies. And the first one I've told you, Nick, was a, was a client. And they had been a business that I had helped. They had been in special credits. Um, and uh, they asked me to come and help them. So I started in 1969, which was a very, very difficult year in Seattle business. That was the year 
with the last person leaving Seattle, please turn out the lights. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so we helped them through that, got them through that. And they had two businesses and they decided so one and asked me if you know, I, if I'd help them do that. And I, I did, prepared the company for sale. They said, do you have anybody you think might want to buy it? <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, me. <laughs> and they said, okay, uh, why don't you come tell us what you can do? And uh, I did. And they, um, they sold it to me. Um, so one of, one of my one of the people who will be at our party in December um, will be the son, who was a co-owner with his dad. Wow. Um, his dad lived to be 104. So he'll be at the party. But anyway, um, bought it. I bought a gigantic company. Nick's heard this before. Big, big company. Um, we had four guys on the day shift, two guys on the night shift, and a secretary. So we had seven people. In the first year, we had a great year. Did 226,000 in sales. Not a month, not a day for the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so bought that company and then went on to, that was 1974, September 1, and then bought one in 75, one in 76, one in 77, two in 78, one in 79. So I, I went on a little, one in 80, one in 181. That was the one that had a million six cash. And my last one was in, um, in uh, 82 of my little run that it was on. Um, so, it, but, but it was, I loved doing it, absolutely loved doing it. I still miss the Price Waterhouse days because they, they were, there was a, you know, when a, when a team has a great team and a great season, Mariners a year ago, they, you end up loving each other and, yeah. and succeeding right. and uh, being around a bunch of guys who were all the same. And I say guys because there's no girls, but um, it, it was a it was a really special place to, to work. Mm -hmm. it, it was a great atmosphere. So I, I missed that by itself. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but I loved being in business. I loved risk. Yeah. Um, I've always been a. I'm looking at a boat over here that I drove 130 miles an hour. Yeah, the hydroplanes. <laughs> yeah. Was that in the Tri Cities as part of the? Uh, uh, well, I was. Event, that or? was the Tri Cities, but I yeah. um, after the, at the Tri Cities they had the uh, they had the uh, the vintage boats okay. come in, yeah. the slow mos and the uh, thriftways. And my my hero as a kid was uh, Bill Muncie, who drove the Miss Thriftway, and. Uh, See, when I was a kid, we didn't have mariners. We didn't. We didn't have any of that stuff. Sure. But hydroplanes. We in those days, the city was three hundred fifty thousand people. The biggest sporting event in the world was Sunday at the hydroplanes. Wow. And we would have up to five hundred thousand people for for hydroplanes. Oh my gosh. It was gigantic. <laughs> you would see kids like me, with a hose, walking up the street. Going to the top of the hill, going to the house, <laughs> turning the water on, putting it down in the gutter, and, and there'd be five or six of us racing ride planes down the bottom street, oh come back. We'd do that for hours. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was one of the risk things I did. I, they, they, they were there that Sunday, and then they were going up to Chelan. 
and um, and home street had a boat um, so I was in the pits with the guys and whatever and the thrift was there and I was looking at it and they said well we're going to go up to Chelan next week if you want to drive it <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe uh, so I went up and you get to drive it and they give you a certificate and it's, it's uh, I did the 130 mile an hour club wow. so, oh my gosh um, That's driving, driving up and down <laughs> Lake Chelan it was great. I've got so many questions, and I'm sure you have so many stories about uh, those uh, experiences. But um, I do want to ask, that's an interesting um, point that you made about your love for risk. Yep. And so I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yep. Where do you think that comes from? Especially in light of the fact that most people, I think, live their life in a very risk-adverse way. No question. Yeah. And you're taught to. I mean, we're, we're, you know, what do what do attorneys exist for? Attorneys exist mm -hmm. to reduce risk. They're not trying to complete a deal. They're trying to take the risk out of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure where it came from. My dad was absolutely risk adverse. That's him. Um, he 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 was not a risk taker at all in any way. Amazingly so. Uh, so I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where it came from. Uh, there, there were two events in my life, uh, stupid events, but there are two events in my life that um, were influential to me, probably three, but I'll mention two. Uh, one, when I was at the UW, and... Um, I played football for eight years, and on each team that I played, I kicked. And so I'm sitting there watching football games because I'm a huge college football fan. And um, I'm watching the kicker, and it was Rick Redmond, good friend of mine. Um, in fact, my, my UW ticket uh, password is Redmond66, um, All-American, um, Hall, Hall of Fame, played 12 years in the... In, uh, NFL and a good friend but anyway I'd watch him kick off and I mean he's there then you kicked off from the 40 and he's kicking the ball to the 20 you know and and in high school I kicked off and I kicked the ball in the end zone from the 40 I watch him and I just you know my older brother um, helped with the team and he got me a kicking um opportunity with coach and um, and I didn't show up I, I just couldn't do it I was scared to death hmm. failure yep. couldn't couldn't fail yep. so I didn't go and um, <laughs> stupid uh, second one was in and uh, I used to weightlift all the time at the UW and uh, there's pictures in there that show that I actually had muscles <laughs> anyway I believe I, it but I was I was very good at my weight level and I in fact I set the UW records and they had a big tournament for weightlifting and the coach um, who I was in I work out all the time and he was with me but he was the coach for it and um, so I went to the tournament and I was in the back of the room and it was my turn to lift, called my name and I 
hid behind one of the football players, mm-hmm. and I didn't go up. Didn't didn't I snuck out the back and didn't do it. Um, those things were really important to me, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, I uh, and I think the the one other thing that was really important to me was my dad was a good old German, and and he his a constant sort of line was if you're going to do it, do it right, mm-hmm. and um, and that sounds really like something that's good, but. With these two examples I gave, it, uh, I think what it leads you to is, in fact, a guy, his name is Walker. He was a plant manager at our second company we bought, Merle Walker, little German guy. And he says, well, you know, Dave, he says, you know what happens if you um, live to that, uh, uh, if you're going to do it, do it right? He says, let me give you an experience. He says, I live next door to an Italian guy. And every year he paints one-fourth of his house. He says, I could never do that. But his house always looks better than mine. Because when I'm going to do it, I have to do it right. And guess what? I don't do it. Never gets done. Doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's pretty important stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I decided to buy the company, um, I went home and uh, told my dad what I was going to do. Oh, he was. His oldest son was an attorney. Second son was CPA. His third son was in the insurance business, and that's a very professional business. And I told him, I said, Dad, I'd rather try and I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. Mm. Huge. Blasphemy, absolute blasphemy, and um, and that really is where I got to. I just, I mm. just, I, I'd rather try. Uh, I'd missed on the football deal. I'd missed on the weightlifting deal, and uh, gosh, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta go try. So uh, we bought thirty-four companies. <laughs> and um, during three times, did more than try. <laughs> yeah, we just kept. I, I really got into a habit. Um, <laughs> I was addicted, I think, but I loved doing it. And, and, I, and it was at a time when you could do those in a, in a wonderful way. Yeah. Um, and uh, banks were willing to give me money to do them, and so off we went. And, um, but that risk thing is, you know, I jumped out of an airplane and I drove the hydrant plane. And, they did a triathlon on a climb muck all that stuff in about four year period. Wow. Um, just to um, just to do that because it, it satisfied that need to, to uh, take a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I did, interestingly enough, I sold our two biggest businesses, probably represented 70% of our sales and probably represented 70% of our employees. We probably had 1,500 employees at that time. And I had 12 businesses at that time, and, uh, but these two were the dominant ones. Um, so my balance sheet changed. My balance sheet was beautiful. Banks loved my balance sheet. And I looked at the balance sheet, and everything was up in the upper left-hand corner. Stocks, cash, 
that was 90% of my balance sheet. And I couldn't stand it. Mm. I mean, it was just, it was, how do you go and talk about your cash? Mm. I can talk about heat treaty. I can talk about manufacturing door latch assemblies for the 767, 237 parts in every one of them. We made every part and assembled them um, for every 767 built. Well, that was cool stuff. I love that stuff. Um, but you can't talk about your cash. Yeah. And um, yep. um, I finally told my wife, I said, this is really boring. I mean, really boring. So I started again and um, bought several more. But um, I, I, I really like the hunt of doing that stuff. Um, my wife, Marcia, has no question she knows that I, I love the, the risk of it all. Um, we almost buried ourselves in uh, 2020 because we invested in, in the hipping business, mm -hmm. which was a, a major investment mm -hmm. um, and a major risk. We opened, we opened the doors. We had a nice party and invited our customers on the 15th of March in 2020. And the three major customers, all within two miles of the shop, uh, all came. And they mothballed their plants that day, COVID. Mm -hmm. And we opened our doors that day. Wow. So here we had a $35 million asset and no sales. And I mean, no sales. Yeah. Not a little bit of sales. No Nothing. sales. And, uh, and we really went two years um, before we, we uh, had any meaningful sales. Um, we didn't have a break-even month until probably March of this year. Wow. Mm. But it didn't, didn't went up dramatically as, oh, yeah. as all the kinds of things we make, Boeing aircraft pieces, whatever. Um, I started to go through that facility. There's only five facilities like this in the U.S., okay. so it's an unusual thing. But um, um, the fun part of that is our CEO, who came with this idea, sat down with Dan and I and said, you are uh, 76 years old. Is this really something you want to do? <laughs> and my son looked at him and said, you don't know my dad. <laughs> And because uh, we were just fine at that time, yeah. I said no. We're we're willing to. I said we're going to do it. Um, but it it was we had a we struggled mightily in twenty and twenty one, mm -hmm. and um, but the strategy ended up working. Good luck rather than any meaningful thinking, but. Uh, and that's the business that we just sold hmm. um, and had a, had a nice run on that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and one thing that I know as we've talked and talked your story, a lot of times you, you, you love the game. And yes. you love business and yeah. evaluating the risk. You weren't one of those folks who jumped in with the intention to sell. 
you no. you ultimately said, hey, like this it seems interesting, this seems exciting, and I want to dedicate time and energy and learn and and mm-hmm. and give it give it what I can, and then mm-hmm. inevitably you were rewarded because people came by and said, hey, we're going to buy this three, four, five times what you, mm-hmm. or maybe even more than than what you bought it for and have grown mm-hmm. it to, and so you know talk a little bit about that and yep. just just your experience because i think a lot of people are out there trying to find a quick buck flip yeah trying to flip yeah we we would um we decided i decided very very early that i was going to buy good companies and i was going to keep them and we were going to run them every single day um as if we were going to have them forever that that just that had to be the way we'd think about it um, and so every one of them, in fact, there's several that I still wish we had mm. that were really great companies. Um, uh, but we did sell some, so why did we sell some if we bought them to keep them? Um, I was probably 10 years into the deal, I would guess, 10 years into the deal when I came out with a new parameter. Um, we evaluated the company every year, and we evaluated it. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't, we did my evaluation, and my, each of the companies had a scorecard, and the scorecard was simply a report card, and it was really, really that simple, because mm-hmm. there are only five things that, that, a, that a company exists for and so you you got to look at those five things and those five things are clearly the I, I put employees first I've never had a customer bring me an employee but I've had a lot of employees who bring me customers mm-hmm. so I put in fact I have a list there of things that say customers are number one and I say yeah that's fine but not with me mm-hmm. um, employees good. are number one Yep. Customers are number two. Um, your su- supply base is number three. The community in which you live is number four. And the owners are number five. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got to sit down. This is our, long, this is our short-term, long-term la- planning. Uh, management team grades it. Are we A's? Are we B's? Are we C's? Uh, what is the goal? To be straight A's, of course. If we're not, then where aren't we? And if we're a C, what will an A look like? And uh, so what's the plan, what's the date, who's gonna do what, when, to get to um, to an A? That's that's my gig, guys. Yep. <laughs> that's my gig. Um, the golden secret sauce. Yeah, <laughs> it really is, it really is. And, and um, so, what does that mean? I finally got serious about the fifth issue, the owners. Who should be the owner of this business? Mm. Should it be me? Mm. Is there somebody who can own this company and it'll be better for the employees, better for the customers, better for the suppliers, and better for the community? If there is, then you better sell. Mm. Hmm. Okay, 
<laughs> so, because if that's what you believe, then, then, um, and that's, in fact, that's the ingredient that chose our buyer this time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got five facilities. He's got a, now 161 facilities. Um, he is the dominant person. In fact, I said 30 years ago, the CEO flew out. We rented a plane and went around to each of the facilities at night. I had a key, so we'd get in. He could <laughs> turn the lights on, and, and so he got to see stuff because people knew him, and and because um, he was a CEO of the biggest company in the world for what we do. Sure. And um, so we snuck around. And I told him that. And I said, if we ever sell, it will be to you. Mm. Um, and and I walked him through my thinking. And um, so we had two suitors. Um, but one of the suitors was a PE firm. And uh, how many times have you seen a PE firm do what it does most yep. of the time? And even if it doesn't go bad, if it goes good, they're only going to own it for three to five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, the website of the the uh, company that wanted to buy us, um, that's what it says. They, they turn them in three years. A friend of mine sold to them um, now three and a half years ago. And I called him in January. And he had just left the company. He had a three-year agreement. He says, well, they did exactly what PE firms do. Uh, they bought me. I was the roll-up model. They bought 32 more of me's wow. and blew it out and made eight times the money. Wow. Um, when they do their five, there aren't five. Mm. There's only one. Yeah. And that's this one. Ownership. Ownership. That's mm-hmm. that's all they're in business for. They really are. The and, and they do very in the negative well. Negative sense. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we had one PE firm that we sat with, that we joined with, um, to buy another company that didn't work. Um, a year uh, a year ago now, and um, and they said that their goal is to make thirty to thirty five percent a year for their shareholders, yeah. and they've been doing that for years. Um, well, that, that's that's great. That's way better than I've done. Way better than I've done. Um, but I, I can't do it that way. I mean, that's just me. I can't do it that way. Yeah, you have to ask at yeah. what cost, right, to yeah. give that kind of return. Yep. So when it got down to the end, uh, we had our team together, and we were picking between the two, and the PE firm, of course, was higher. And uh, I said, uh, I finally... I like to reduce things to a really simple. That's my whole business. I love that. Is to reduce it to a really simple thing. So we're trying to evaluate the two businesses, and my two MBA um, son and CEO are just talking macro and all this stuff, and uh, I let them go. On. And finally, I said, uh, "Let's just answer this question." If we sell this business to this guy, or if we sell this business to this guy, who's going to own the business in five years? Yeah. Who's going to take care of our customers? Who's going to take care of our employees? Well, obviously this guy. 
Because this guy will sell us. Who is he going to sell it to? We don't know. So we're selling our business. We're renting our business. Mm. Yeah. We're just going to rent it and then sell it to somebody that we don't know. In fact, we won't own it. So we don't get to choose who's going to own it. Yeah. Business started in 1946. And we're just going to... Roll it up and and um, so that was my question. For, really simple. Who's going to own the business in five years? Yeah. I said I want this company to own it because they'll own it. They're they started in the early 1900s. Wow. They're 120 years old. So we know they're going to own it five years from now. They're going to yep. own it 20 years from now. Yeah. And they're going to take care of our people. So well, that really was the that really was the that was the deciding factor. That was a deciding factor. Well, yeah. and I, I love that you're speaking to the fact that business is stewardship. And it's not yeah. it's not the owner, the mm-hmm. big guy on top, trying to get as much mm-hmm. of what he can right. out of everybody else, but flipping the entire business model upside down and saying it's employees, yep. it's customers, it's relationships and then ownership last. You know, one of the things I think why we get along so well is as you've lived that, and to your point, you recently just sold one of these companies and you left money on the table, mm-hmm. but it was in a recognition that there are things that are more important than money. Yep. Yep. You've owned 35 businesses. You've been in this game for over 50 years being where you are today, what are some other things that are more important than money that you've learned oh, along yeah. the journey? Yeah, no, it, it, um, I like this. One of the reasons I haven't retired is because I'm better at business than I'm at golf. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, which is true, definitely true. <laughs> not so much that I'm good at business, but it is that I'm not very good at golf. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm getting close to a hundred now. Ninety-five, ninety-six. Man, that's hard for me to take. But that's <laughs> when you're eighty, you don't hit the ball very far. Um, particularly when you have zero testosterone. A whole nother subject. Uh, this this will sound. Um, Business is very serious to me, but business is clearly a game to me. Mm-hmm. I do take business serious because because you're talking about you're talking about people and you're talking about families and you're talking about all that sort of thing. So it is serious, but there's an element to it as well, um, which I think a lot of successful business guys understand and that there's clearly a game to it and you there, there's just a lot of people who don't understand the game it's surprising and your your kids are going to understand the game mm-hmm. um, selling lemonade um, in fact I, just to, to mention this I was a little um, this summer one of those little uh neighborhood um, festivals mm. a couple hundred people kind of thing and um, outside of it was two little kids with a stand and um, so I stopped by and I gave them $20 
and I went inside the uh, the deal. And about ten minutes went by, and um, this little kid comes up to me. He's one of the kids at the stand, and he said, "You dropped ten dollars." And he wanted to find me and give me that $10. Well, well it wasn't my $10, because I knew I didn't have a 10. I only have 20s, I can show you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and I knew it wasn't mine. And I, I didn't tell him I didn't know it was mine. But I said, I really appreciate it, and took it. And then said, well, there's one more thing. I said, I want you to have this $10, hmm. and gave it back to him. But I thought, to me, you know, that, the character of what yeah. he had just done, um, I, I, I found so admirable. Just uh, to me, it, it just, uh, golly, because he, he had to search me out amongst 100 mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. and finally find me wow. uh, to do that. So, so what does that have to do with your question? Um, it, it, is, it is a serious Business is serious. You got to take it serious. Uh, you got to love it. Um, at the same time, it is a game, and you've got to play it. And you, and you really do. Again, it's sort of like the pros, um, who are probably athletically better when they're 23 than when they're 26, but they're better players at 26 than we're at 23. Um, mm -hmm. Because they don't take, they know how to take shortcuts. They're not, you know, they know how to get to the ball, and and uh, and, and I, so you do need to learn the game of um, that's that's being played. Um, so I think those two things are are really important. But but my my business. Um, the the element of what it we've only been talking about. Business, so you might think my priorities are business is number one. No, they're not. Uh, it isn't. It, it isn't that. In fact, the book I saw the other day mentions it. I, I, the. Uh, it's it's got to fit in to a greater picture. And for me, the greater picture is I have a simple evaluation system for myself. Uh, I have one simple for the business, which I described, but I have one for myself. And that's the letter F, and um, I write about it in there. But because um, le the letter F, which is a great um, letter, if you define left, the letter with faith as an F, and family as an F, and friends as an F, and fun as an F. I've got two more. Finance um, is a fifth. There's one more, can't remember. But um, so finance is only one of the six. Mm. So, um, so yes, we've 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 talked 100% so far about business. But 100% of my life is not business. Mm -hmm. yep. One of the reasons I left Price Waterhouse, um, I, I was one. In fact, my my uh, number two grandson. I had lunch with last week, and he was talking about it. he had a CPA job with a CPA firm that's a killer firm, and um, he ended up leaving. He's a little more woke, and then, uh, but he says his firm, um, all he did was work. I mean, 
they really worked it. That's all they did. And they was very competitive. And um, it, it was clearly an up or out deal. And uh, that was just too much for him. So he, he left. And the job he's got is great. But, but I told him, I said, you know, Arthur, um, let me describe my first five years at Pricewaterhouse. <laughs> and this way I describe it. You guys are going to get the feeling of how I do things. <laughs> I said, Arthur, um, I knew when it was time to go home because the sun was coming up. <laughs> and so I'd go home to shave, shower, shit, and shine my shoes. Wow. And then I'd go back to work. And he looked at me. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's, that's what I did. That's what uh -huh. I did. Um, and then when I started, so I didn't have kids for the first five years. Yeah. My wife's a teacher. Then we had a boy. Then we had a girl. Just exactly the plan. We were gonna get married when we were 22. We were gonna each work for five years. <laughs> <laughs> she was, then we were gonna have a boy, and then two years later we would have a girl. Of course, it's really simple, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what we did. Um, and so then it was, because I'm a focus guy, and then it was, all right, now we have more than one F. So we're gonna go to the other ones. And one of the main reasons I left is because I was working, truly. I had 16 weeks of vacation accumulated when I quit. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I had no idea they were accumulating vacation, but it was it was surprised me. It was a big check. Mm -hmm. uh, it was nice to get. But, um, you know, I, I would get more chargeable hours than anybody in the firm. I just had to be that. Mm -hmm. I always had the attitude. The guys were all smarter than me, but... The smart guys might work 10 hours, and if it, and they'd get 10 effective hours. If I was going to get 11 effective hours and beat them, then I'd have, probably have to work 14 hours. Mm -hmm. And that's my attitude. That's yeah. just, and so I'd work 14 hours. That's all I was doing. Because um, I, I would outwork anybody. I, that was just, I can't outsmart anybody, but I can outwork them. Mm. Um, so I did. Um, but then I'm, once we had children and we had made the decision that family clearly was the, the issue. And so I, I said, look, um, I'm gonna leave and, um, um, and I'm gonna be home for dinner every single night at six o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, I may go to work at five in the morning, so I may miss breakfast, but I'm gonna be home at six o'clock for dinner every night. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and I did coach basketball, eight teams. Mm -hmm. I did coach <laughs> football for five years, loved every single day of it. I did all that stuff yep. with the kids and loved doing it. Um, but that's because my Fs got rearranged. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the faith part of it, uh, we, were, we were always, and I say we because it's, it, Janice and I just grew up together. I mean, we really did raise each other. Mm -hmm. um, that, that just, I mean, we were together all the time and um, really did raise each other. So it's really easy to say we. Um, but, and, and she was Catholic and I was Episcopalian. So, um, so I went to St. Stephen's, she went to something. Um, 
and and so to get married, of course, I had to do it in the Catholic Church, and, and I had to be a Catholic to do that. So I bargained with the priest about what things were in and what weren't in, because <laughs> you had to promise all this stuff, and I couldn't promise all that stuff. I couldn't promise that my kids would be raised Catholic. I couldn't, you know, there's some of those things I just, so we bargained. I had to negotiate, right? Sure. <laughs> and uh, so he did. And uh, so he let me in. Um, so then we we went to the, the Catholic Church for uh, several years. And it just didn't, it, it, in fact, I, I um, we would go to church. <laughs> people can't believe this. I haven't even really talked about it with my kids, but on dates, we would, we were only allowed to date one night a week, so either Friday or Saturday. That was it. But we would oftentimes go to church before a date. That was not unusual to us. Um, and when I proposed, it was it, it, you know, church was dark. It was eight o'clock at night, whatever, uh, and that's when I proposed. So we were that 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 was important to us. But it was church that was important to us. And um, so we we wanted something. Something told us that we wanted more. So we then started to go to the Episcopal Church, um, which is very great. Um, I remember a guy saying one time, he says, "I'm just so proud to be an Episcop, be rich enough to be an Episcopalian." <laughs> I didn't sell real well with, with me, <laughs> right. and he was president of Frederick Nelson, and um, that, that didn't settle. That, that wasn't the reason we decided to go look around. But um, one of our jobs at Price Waterhouse was in Salt Lake, so we went to the temple and, and came back and started going to the Mormon church for a year. And, and then a uh, crazy thing happened, faith-wise. Crazy, God's deal. Um, I was asked to give a talk at Seattle Pacific University by a guy. I was the guy running for office in the state of Washington, good friend. And he hired a full-time student to, to man the office and do all that paperwork. So, and I was the treasurer. So, um, got to know this kid. And, um, and uh, he was at SBO. And then he stayed on at SBO while he was in law school. As a then as an advisor, one of his jobs was to have speakers come in and speak to the to the <laughs> to a group of kids. Uh, so he asked me if I would do that, and I said yes. Um, it was the night of an SPU. SPU was a huge soccer mm -hmm. school, and Seattle were playing the game that night. So we show up. He shows up, I show up. That's it. Wow. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> not, he was ex expecting about 100. We had z zero. zero. Oh, we had man. nobody show up. And <laughs> so he felt that he needed to spend time with me. Um, <laughs> since I had to, so we did, we talked like we're talking now for about a half hour. Uh, and he invited me to come to the church, the school's church right across the street. So we did. And uh, we fell in love with that guy, uh, the Sunday school teacher who had been the pastor, who had been the president of the school, he had been president of two of the schools. 
the uh, universities. And just a great guy, 80-some-year-old guy, full of wisdom, Winston Churchill-looking guy, just mm-hmm. exactly like Winston Churchill. And um, huge, he would, he would start class by reading Mickey Rooney, just something really f- funny. Um, but he was a he was and he was a very basic even though he had a real PhD, um, not a funny one. Um, he really did teach at a, an amazing level, and all of us were the same age and having kids and doing all that stuff. And uh, and so there's, through that that we actually ended up creating and becoming a, um, what would what would be called a, a Christian having a personal relationship mm-hmm. um, which really and that would have, my wife as always the whites go first <laughs> what's that been about husbands being leaders yeah, yeah. almost everybody I know is a wife is a leader yeah. um, and and so that uh, um, that started that and that would have been in fact it was the, the summer that we had Dan he was born in February, and it was at uh, the church retreat up at Warren Beach, um, campfire, setting, whatever. And it, it, our, our, t- our teacher spoke, and uh, that's when I finally got through to the, the old guy. Uh, and it's been a very, very dominant part of my life yeah. since. Um, and more so now, I mean, it's more so every day, particularly the Israel thing. Um, I mean, I find myself stopping. I came down an hour early and just prayed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become a, a much bigger part of my life. Um, it's It's been a, a major part of my life for for 40 years, but um, it's, we have a Bible study on Tuesday that I run and a Bible study on Thursday I attend, and it's fantastic, <laughs> just great guys. And, and uh, so I, I've kind of um, overwhelm myself with that just just being there kind of a thing um, that's been a very important part of her and I and it, it's part of our business uh, everybody knows it um, we have dinners and we have celebrations and whatever lunches um, I will not pray before any of those events unless I'm asked to um but if you ask me, I will. <laughs> so, yeah. and so they know that, so they always ask me. But because um, they know they better. <laughs> but I've never told them they better. Um, but it's so that's you know it's a it is a part of our. We don't hire for that. We don't push that. We don't mm-hmm. do any of that. But um, they know that that's really important to me, and uh, they're yeah. respectful of it. Um, which I appreciate. And uh, uh, in fact, last week, uh, last Monday, week of Monday, uh, I went down to say goodbye to a bunch of these guys. And three of the guys said, You don't know, but you saved my life. Mm. Mm. Saved my wow. life. Um, yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff, right? And, uh, and uh, so it was a very emotional day. And a wonderful day, and well, we, the old guys, you know, 27 years, 32 years, to listen to these guys and how long they've worked there and what it's meant to them and whatever. It's been, uh, uh, 
and, and they're all my buddies. Because um, they really are, they're, they're just my buddies. And, and I do something that's kind of stupid, but um, in fact, the other day I got an email from one of them, a picture of a tank going by in Ukraine. And, um, and a guy, it shows a guy walking up to the, stopping the, the, uh, the uh, tank and handing a box of Snickers to the guys. <laughs> and uh, I'm the Snickers guy. <laughs> and so I go around uh, and I did it Monday again, every time I've done it, that I go. And so I walk around and see every single guy and give them a Snickers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Yeah. I mean, um, to say thank you and how you doing and whatever. Uh, it's the best part of what I do. It's the first thing I walk in hmm. the door, say hello, and then I'm gone. Go in the shop. And I spend an hour doing that. But uh, it's just part of, of um, individualizing the whole deal, one-on-one. Yeah and knowing what's going on and, and uh, being able to, that's to me is by far the best part of business, mm. the friends that I've made. Um, it's a, um, and they're, they're friends for life. I mean, yeah. um, these are my best friend who died a couple of years ago. He and I bought a company together in the packaging business. Um, right after that, there was a boat business for sale, and I knew the general manager and told me how to. I, in fact, I told him. He, he was one of my guys that I did, that Stack had done business with. And then when I was thinking of buying Stack, I went around and talked to 68 customers, and he was one of them. So we became friends. And, um, and I had lunch with him one day, and I said, uh, Two guys own this business, right? And he said, Yeah. I said, well, what are you going to do when they come to you and tell you they're going to sell it? He looked at me. <laughs> he said, well, what do you mean? I said, are you ready for that day? Because it's going to happen. He said, well, no. I make $65,000 a year. <laughs> what do you mean? Am I ready? I said, well, are you going to buy it? I can't buy this. Yes, you can. Mm. You can buy it. So we did. And um, and now he's my best friend after my other friend. And he's been my best. He was my second best friend. And then when the other guy died, he has, he moved in in one spot. But um, a man of very, very strong faith, uh, wonderful guy. Actually, as a, owning the company in the bolt business, he actually... Uh, went to to uh, Divinity School for three years in Portland, and um, completed that study. But he, just a great, great guy. Yeah. But yes, um, we were partners, and yes, we had fun. We still are partners, and um, but it's the friendship that yeah. that overwhelms all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, um, clearly, is the you know the end of the the end of the deal how many friends do I have how much money do I have I don't really care I really don't yeah. I mean particularly now I mean particularly now um, do I need a new car no my 2005 car has 140,000 miles on it 
and it's a great car. Um, so I don't need a new car. I don't need a new house. I don't need a, a new boat. My 1993 Cobalt is in perfect shape. Um, I don't need it. So I, I don't really don't care. I really don't. Because um, I'm, you know, stage four cancer guy. At age 80, I looked at the numbers, and 24% um, of the people who reach 80 reach 90. Mm. So, you know, three out of five, or yeah. three out of four, um, don't make it. And those people don't aren't sick, so who, so I, I really look at it differently, mm -hmm. and um, it makes it really easy to not care about the money. It really does. Because yeah. um, I, I, I don't have things that I need to, um, to, to do. And um, so it really, it really, but I, do I care about the friends that have accumulated? Absolutely. Um, will I spend a lot of time with friends over the next uh, few years, whatever it is? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. my Bible study friends, great guys. One of them is a, the one I run is at Thunderbird. In Palm Springs, we play golf together. We, but you know, the the guys now are saying we've been doing it thirty years. Say, you know, the best hour of the week isn't when I'm playing golf. It's Tuesday morning mm. when we're, you know, we're studying, and uh, we're still in Luke. We laughed the other day. We've been in Luke for a year. We're in the fourteenth chapter. <laughs> we can't even get through a chapter. We can only get through. About three paragraphs in our Thursday morning group. We're going to be in Luke for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, the, you know, we probably have twenty guys, and probably twelve to fourteen show up every Thursday morning. And uh, it just—it is so meaningful. Well, I, well, I got a couple more questions for you, okay. and we can we can wrap it up here, but. You know what I've known is that you, you've you've been successful as long as you have, and you've you've talked a, a little bit about it here in the last few minutes, just about the friendship and the people. But I the question, and I'll I'll add some color. But the question is, why do you keep going? And and yeah. and maybe I don't need to add color, but you yeah. know I uh -huh. I want to give context for our listeners too, in that you've taken on the mentor role. Uh, yep. For a lot of people in the yep. last few years, you're still running multiple companies, and you know you have multiple grandkids and yep. children that you are yep. investing your time in. So, you know, knowing the success that you've had, yep. I think to step back and say why? I mean, at eighty, yep. why are you okay. still here in the office? Yep. And we've talked a little bit about it today, yep. but I just want to drive that point home. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said earlier, I'm better at business and I'm golf <laughs> and it's more rewarding um, to far more reward I love the guys I play golf with. it's a great bunch um, and we have a good time and we're all getting lousy I mean we're you know <laughs> we're all in the the other day two of them in fact we, uh, we have a new par par now three of the guys that I, two of the guys that I play golf with now a par is a hundred so <laughs> When we're over, when we had lunch last Thursday morning, um, one of them was three over par, and one of them was five over par. 
and I was 300 par. So, <laughs> you know, that's the way we talk now. Yeah, I love it. I mean, gee, Ray Chris was a whole different deal. Um, but I really love what I do. I mean, I, that's, uh, you know, at the, uh, I loved having lunch with this guy yesterday and uh, and seeing the impact that it's had on his on his life and and uh, being with him and the friendship that we we have. Um, I told him I'm going to buy him a book because he just sold his business and I haven't done it yet. Uh, and I'm going to, and it's halftime, uh, which is Buford's book. Because um, I want him to think about halftime. Mm. Are you, are you know what is what is the? Uh, are you are you trying to be successful? Or are you trying to be significant? Is the basic question of Buford. When he wrote that book, I read it and I loved it. And I called him, and I said, "Can I come and visit you?" Mm. <laughs> he said, "Yeah." And I said, so I flew to Dallas. He had a room in the airport, and we sat and talked for four hours, had lunch, got back on the plane, flew home. Wow. Um, it was fabulous. But that's a book I want to give him because um, mm. I think that's the, that kind of is a driver. In other words, um, success and significance, in, in, and you can do it together. There's, you know, there's no reason. The whole concept of full-time ministry is my, my friend – and the bolt business said it beautifully. When somebody asked him for money, he says, I'm, "I want to leave my job and and go into full time ministry." And would you support me? <laughs> and uh, very bluntly, this guy's very blunt. Said, uh, "Well, why? I'm in full time ministry, and you're not supporting me. Why, why should I support? You know, you can do both." Mm-hmm. Um, great length because I, mm-hmm. I mean I'd been a, a, a personal let I, I was an easy pitch all the time before that and finally realized that's a really great challenge for a person to yeah. uh, to uh, hear that yeah um, there's a lot of us that are in full time ministry mm-hmm. and we figure out how to provide um, but my life was very you know it's really been remember it was only the 6th of October the we closed that deal, so that's uh, two weeks ago Friday. Um, so I, what am I going to end up doing? I'm not sure, uh, but I I really think it'll be more of the, the type like getting together, um, more of the time of uh, I, I my I'm hoping my oldest grandson who's coming back. See, I've got ten grandkids, and <laughs> none of them are business guys yet, and I'm, I'm not pushing them, but I'd sure love it if one wanted to do it. I would love it if my 30-year-old um, would uh, come back. He's getting really disenchanted with what he's doing, and um, he's in the, he's a special forces mm-hmm. Marine, and a really serious guy about it. Um, that's all he ever wanted to be, mm-hmm. but now he's a, an officer, and now he's he he's a he's a marine. He does exactly um, what his leaders tell him to do, mm-hmm. um, and he really is having difficulty teaching mm-hmm. what they're told to teach now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Real conflict for him. And um, in if you hear the 
the military is struggling with. Um, that's the reason it's struggling. They, they, right. These these guys just, yep. you know, come on. Um, I have to tell you, it's okay to, if you want to change male to female, and yes, we'll pay for it, and we'll provide you, we'll get you the, I mean, it's anyway, Christmas. Not, it's just so, so, so difficult for those guys to be going in there to do what they're going to do, and then that's what they're spending a great deal of time on. So he's coming home in November, and I, I continue to hear him say some things. So what does that mean? Uh, I found a business for him this weekend. He doesn't know it, but I did. And <laughs> I found a nice business for him. And I'd love it if you'd want to come home and, and run, run it, own it and run it. Mm. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But um, we've, we've established scholarship deal for the kids. I'm very unhappy with that. Very unhappy with that. I don't want any university that I know receiving that hard-earned money to teach my kids what they're going to teach them. So what I have said, because it was developed based on education, that it's education or an entrepreneurial pursuit. Yep. In other words, if you if you want to um, take this money and uh, not go to college, but you want to start a business or do something, that's your decision. Mm -hmm. I'd love to help some of them do yep. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, we have one in college, two out. Um, and then we have two more coming along, 16 and 14. But uh, I, I, th I, that's, that's looking a long ways out. I'd be in the 90s. <laughs> so <laughs> somehow we skirted through the labyrinth. Um, I'd love to do that. Um, and and I, help, I love helping Dan. He doesn't really need help anymore. He's... He's a serious business guy. Um, he's been hearing this stuff that you're hearing for since he was ten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he was in high school, there was what was called an economic check register. You guys never heard of an economic check register, have you? Uh, I think I've heard of it. It's a it's a binder that you can open like this, and you can have all your accounts along here. You know, payroll expense, taxes, rent. And then on this side is the checkbook. And when you write a check, you have to distribute it over here. To um, you have to add it. The end of each. He was doing that for each of our buildings oh, when wow. he was in high school. Wow. He had to write the checks. He had to make sure the rent got paid. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And then he had to re record it all and produce a, what was, of course, a financial statement. Add up all the rent. Add up all the yeah. whatever. Um, Great experience for him, totally and, no and so, but he's been doing that now for 30 years, so yep. he's a serious guy, um, and he knows way more about real estate than I do, way, way, way more. So, I, I, so I'm not going to spend time with him doing that stuff, but sure. I, um, it's fun to do it with this young guy who's in our office, and, and uh, it's just fun. Bradley, uh, um, I love spending time with Bradley and talking to him about it, what he's doing, and and uh, so I'll, I'll maintain my my uh, my business side all the way along, no yep. question. And these two guys both died while doing business. Mm -hmm. 
This guy retired at 60. <laughs> this guy died. So he got, he retired real early. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was not interested in business. <laughs> not at all. Um, but but I will, I, you, the word retire, people have used that lately. And um, that's almost an offensive word for me. I don't know if I'm afraid of it. Um, but it just, it, it sounds um, very unenticing to me. I, I just don't, I'm going to be busy doing stuff, getting up every day, being excited about getting up every day. I'll have my to-do list, I'll do things, and and then one day I won't. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and I like that idea, so. So I'll, I'll keep doing, and you always hear things, and then you 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 know you can kind of be a you can be a, a street light go sometimes red sometimes green, and you can kind of help people. It's like listening to this guy who wants to sell his business call me. I thought, gosh, that sounds like a great business for my grandson. <laughs> Perfect size, um, so. Uh, you know that I'll still stay in the middle yep. of that stuff and enjoy it. And Absolutely. I, all I'm going to do with the money is put it in the treasuries, non-taxable treasuries. I don't want to give Biden any money, <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to. Yeah. So I'm not going to. You know, I, I've always invested stock market and that sort of thing. In fact, I used to when I was in junior high school call my broker at lunchtime find wow. out how my stocks are doing. And wow. I'd buy three shares of this. And he was a neighbor. And the guy, Gordy Zweibel, he was a stockbroker, and he was a very successful stockbroker. But the doggone guy would take my calls. He would teach me stuff. I'd go to his house, and he'd talk mm -hmm. about things. You know, I may have had $500 invested. And he would take the time and mm -hmm. do that stuff. I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to screw around with it. I'm not interested in sure. the stock market or anything, so I won't worry about that stuff, that yeah. side. I'll just uh, spend time one-on-one -on -one with people, probably the most. And uh, Well, we love the time you've been spending with us, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nick, do you got any questions, too? Or? Talk I mean, too much. But any, any to <laughs> say before we wrap it? I mean, yeah, there's, uh, there's so much uh, richness um, here. I think... Uh, one of the the questions that we consistently ask of everybody that we interview is um, at the end of your life what do you hope that you'll be remembered for yeah. and a lot Great of our question. guests that's a pretty like theoretical kind of question because yeah. they're they're much earlier in their business um, career and they're not mm -hmm. they just don't have the perspective or experience and everything yeah. that you have and so I know you've you've touched on uh, a lot of motivations um, behind uh, business. So much in there that's so valuable as far as the priority of of people. Um, but I am curious, just what comes to mind for you as you think yeah. about how you want to be remembered, the legacy that you're leaving behind. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, when Peterson came to see, to uh, coach the Huskies. Um, he he was an OKG guy. That was his term, our kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I and I think we know what that means, and I want to be remembered as being an okay G. Um, and the other word I use is often is, in fact, I just wrote it to a guy um, about his dad who died, and I said, you know, he was a really good guy, and we all know what good guys are, mm-hmm. and that's I would hope people would say that. Um, uh, the, the and and to me, all those definitions are related. Mm-hmm. A man of faith. Because um, <laughs> well, I'm quiet about my faith, but people people are aware of it, um, and I don't sell it. You, you know, I believe in the in the. Uh, if you have to talk about it, but if if you're doing stuff, you don't. Okay. Anyway, you um, live it. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, so that's uh, that's that's important to me. To be a man of considered to have been a man of faith is very important to me. Um, as an example, um, my partner, who's who's the real strong Christian, on his fiftieth birthday, and he's a car guy, crazy car guy, and he's a you know he would. When we were in business together, I mean, every year he's getting a new car. Um, and his wife stopped him on his 60th birthday and because he had a new R8 um, Audi, that new really cool car. Mm-hmm. He always has really cool cars. And um, she came home, and she greeted him at the door with, What is it with you? On his birthday, what is it with you? He was all excited about his car. He says, you know what they're going to talk about at your funeral? That you had really nice cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he called me. And I said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm in my car now. I'm taking it back. Wow. And she's Florida. She just absolutely nailed him. Is that what you're going to have at your funeral? Is it, you really like cars? <laughs> you really drove cool cars. And, and, his, and he's was a person of faith before that, no question. His father was a pastor, grew up as a, a church kid, mm-hmm. and uh, a PK. But uh, um, it, it really startled him into um, living a day-to-day life that just, uh, you know, my, I, I've really, re- you, you've heard me reduce things down all the way along. And so what is, what is my mission? What is my, you know, all these people say, well, you should have business goals. You, you know, you sit down and you carefully do all that stuff. Um, and, and, um, and just this year, I've refined my whole faith to the following. Um, I want to do God's will for God's glory. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. That's all I want to do. And so that's, that's my prayer in the morning, my prayer at night. Um, and I say it to myself several times a day. Um, what are you doing? Are you doing God's will? And are you doing for God's glory? Mm-hmm. And that, 
that's what I would like to know about myself when I die. Um, so I'm more concerned about that and what other people may think. But I think if I do that, um, hopefully then others will see that and, um, for, whatever, for whatever that means to them. But that really is how simple uh, it, it is where I am. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I'm really pleased that it, it, I love to say the Lord's Prayer. Mm. I do it one word at a time. And I do this regularly. And every time I do it, and then I'll just say, you know, even the word our, it's not my, it isn't mine, it is, it's our. What does that mean, our, our? What, what, is, what does God want, what, saying our for? Because he wants you to be in communion with people, whatever. And you can sit and take a word like our, um, and then we always say, um, our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. They will be done. And you go into this thing um, that just is so obvious. But I, I started to say that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No, no, thy will be done on earth. You don't stop it. That will be done. No, no, no. That isn't it. He mm-hmm. wants you to do it on earth. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my, that was yeah. about two months ago. And that's thy will. And that's what it, it, I started thinking, thy will on earth, on earth. This isn't something we're saving to do in, for eternity. This is something that uh, he wants us to do it on earth. He, mm-hmm. he would like, his plan, his goal is to, for us, even though he gave us free will, um, he wants us to pray to do that um, on earth as well as in heaven but on earth it really struck me Um, and that's after I said it a thousand times that I kind of connect that 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 way and so that that then led me to think thy will um, that's Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of probably a summary of it yeah, I love that. And I mean, I think that in uh, in so many ways, you've modeled that very well with your life, with the priorities that you've kept, with the mindset that you've brought toward uh, business, business acquisition, running uh, businesses, and even, you know, like the story that you shared about uh, selling a business and thinking more long term, thinking in line with, okay, what would God's will on earth look like in mm-hmm in business and relationships and family. And, um, so it's really inspiring to, yeah. to hear, uh, yeah. what you've, what you've done. And I'm really grateful uh, for yeah. you sharing with us for the time Thank here. You. Yeah. One more story I'll, I'll tell yeah. very, very short. Our association, Metal Treaties Institute, uh, <laughs> they asked me to, I've never spoken to it. And they asked me to, um, he said, we really would like to have you on our program. And so what we, because everybody knows that Stack has a name for being successful and reputation all that. And um, so he wanted me to describe what it was that um, was the reason for our success. And I said, you know, um, I, I, would, I would be happy to talk but 
that isn't the subject that um, that your members are going to want to hear. <laughs> and because um, the message was, it was, that, what are we doing business wise to be successful? And I said they really aren't going to want to hear because um, it's really simple. Um, we share our profits every month. And these guys aren't going to want to hear that. <laughs> you know? They don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. They don't want to give away probably part of their profits to their employees. That you know, they don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, so I said, I, I'm, I don't want to give that talk. <laughs> so I never have given a talk. But I think that's uh, that's one of the fun parts of the deal. My father said to me, and I've told Nick this before. When he got through business and he retired, he and I were fishing in his little 14-foot boat up in, an aluminum boat up in the, on the straits of Juan de Fuga. Not real good water being a 14-foot boat on. <laughs> anyway, when he retired, they gave him a brand new Suburban, and he had never had a new car. He drove that car for about two months. He couldn't drive a brand new Suburban, so he sold it. <laughs> he just he just couldn't do it um, but we were sitting fishing one day and I asked him I said dad you know you're not in business anymore and he was never a things guy I mean never a things guy I said what do you think about what do you think about all your years here down at Edward Corporation he says well uh, I think about all the kids I had I think about all the kids we raised, how many kids went to college, how many houses we bought. Dad, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, uh, how many cars we bought. He says, all well, my employees. That was it. That was his memory. His, his, what he had provided, these guys. His salary when he left the company, um, when he died, my dad's salary in that was a thousand dollars a month. Hmm. That's what he's being paid, <laughs> you know. And um, he just and, and he lived just fine on a thousand dollars a month because hmm. um, that just was never a part of what he did. But that, that was a really important thing to listen to him and listen to him talk about it in that way. And and um, so you see the kids and you see that some of them are. You know, got th three kids now themselves and doing what they're doing and following them. And that's, that's a really great part of what life's all about. It's, it's sharing life with and, and being able to share it with people that, that you work with um, mm -hmm. is a pretty neat deal. That's awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty neat deal. All right, guys. I love it. Absolutely. I'd, like, I'd like to show you two pictures in here if I can find them because it really, there's my car, 2005. Oh, the, uh, the yeah. 55 here? Yep. Uh, so beautiful. I bought that because uh, I just had an eight-hour surgery, and yeah. they said I was successful. I said, if I live through it, I'm going to go buy a car. Yeah, there you go. So we went to Germany. Oh, here I'm in my boat. <laughs> <laughs> On Lake Chelan. Lake Chelan. That wasn't that long ago, 06? Yeah, that was not long ago. <laughs> uh, but two pictures that show um, 
that are, are really extreme pictures. Let's see if I can find it. I noticed them the other day. Yeah, maybe I'm not gonna find them. Yeah, see here I'm jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. Just have to do that stuff. My son is crazy about it, but he was even down at uh, Nevada a couple of weeks ago when they had all that rainstorm yeah. and they were told they couldn't leave. And you heard there were certain people that did leave. Yeah. The Ian five other guys who you've read about in the paper yeah, sure. uh, snuck off <laughs> and at 12 o'clock at night they they left and clogged for six hours through oh six gosh. and 12 inches of snow wow. or, or, or mud yeah and they were the first ones to get out and let's see if they gotta be able to find these because it really sums up things in words sure there's our first date. You can believe that? Those are great. Yeah, they're great pictures. Is this something that I, um, like I can order a copy of? Uh, no. <laughs> not, not publicly available. Uh, not publicly available. Darn it. Where are those? Oh, here's one of them. Yeah, here's two of them. They were right at the very beginning. All right, when I was dating Marcia, and I was always, as you can see, mm -hmm. 165 pounds, 5'8", mm -hmm. and I was... That, that's a muscle that we talked about. Yeah, okay. Now, what does cancer do to you? Wow. That's what it's done to me. Mm. This month is my favorite month, so I, I told my wife one time, she said, what are you going to dress up for it? For Halloween, I said it's really easy this year. I'm gonna take my clothes off and go as a skeleton. <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> I mean, look at that. That's. Wow. It just, it just. There's my water skiing, <laughs> which I did two years ago, 19 wow. or 2021. I was doing that same thing. I didn't do it this year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a fun bunch of stuff. It's a journey. Here's me in high school. I was a kind of a tough yeah. guy. Yeah. Number Is that a football or this was our basketball team. Basketball there's team. there's nice. one of the I played eight years of bat football and that was part of our team. I don't think of any high school pictures I read. 